If you're a Christian, that is a Christ follower, then you're the church. I'm the church. We are people who are the church. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Embry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible today is interesting. I'm telling you, as we focus on 2 Corinthians 3, I mean to tell you, Paul speaks to the Corinthians. He writes a second letter. It's very good. Corey is here to help us understand this with Ryan. Corey, what's going on? So I'm going to be taking a look at the book of 2 Corinthians as a whole and some of the ways that we know um, the intentions of Paul as he was writing it. Ryan? Well, today Paul contrasts the Old Covenant with the New Covenant, and my segment is going to highlight some of these differences. All right, Janice? It's Fun Friday wrap-up. I'm going to ask a question. Near the end of the program, Ryan and Corey are sitting in the hot seats, but you get to answer at home anywhere from Romans chapter 15 to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 11. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. On this Friday, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to 3, this is stunning. As we look at this and open it up and begin to understand what's happening, we understand that Paul wrote a second letter to the church at Corinth not long after his first one. Now, since Paul spent nearly 18 months in Corinth building the church, he spoke openly about sins and conflicts within the church. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is a great teaching about the Holy Spirit working in us and between us to set up the church 
as the living, breathing body of Christ in our world, in this world we live in today. Now this is important because many people have felt that the church is more of a culture than a person, the person of Jesus Christ. But you know, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father, the Father in heaven. It was Jesus Christ who caused that promise to be fulfilled. Interesting. The Holy Spirit is alive and well right now because of the work of Jesus Christ. He's with us today. It is absolutely stunning when you think it through. And as we do so, let's look at the scripture as we focus today on this, because it's important. Now, I want to tell you, get your Bible guide and turn to today's passage, because if you didn't, why not? Get your Bible guide. We'll send it to you. You can write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. Then to the PDF file where you can download everything, and you're within seconds of being with us. It's great. But today, is the Holy Spirit still working? The Holy Spirit is working. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 11. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that we would see and understand that your Holy Spirit, it's not only alive and well, but it's working. And today, we're seeing things develop that we've never seen before. And we thank you, Lord, that we have been alive to see this. Help us, Father, to fulfill our destiny of telling others about Jesus Christ. Help us to live like you want us to live. And thank you, Lord, for Israel, your great nation that is alive with us today since 1948. And since 1967, they've established their place. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to understand the times in which we are in. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen and amen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a good one. Do we begin again, Paul says, to commend ourselves? Wow, that's amazing. Paul's pretty charged up here. Or do we need, as some other epistles, do we need, as some others, epistles and com commendations to you or letters of commendation from you you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with spirit, capital S, the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. What is Paul saying? As Christians, Christ followers, the church is who we are. The character of the church is the character of the people in it, reflecting the character of Jesus Christ. So there are other reasons that we follow Jesus Christ. First of all, we are saved from the ravages of hell, the destructions that come. But we're also becoming more like Jesus Christ. And as we become more like Jesus Christ, you know what happens? People see that. Now, they don't react. Some react well, some don't react well. But, beloved, as we change and become more like Jesus Christ, people see that. That's what Paul's saying. And it's important for us to understand. Now, let's go on because this gets interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 6. And we have such trust 
through Christ towards God, such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Now do you begin to understand what he's saying? Of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Wow, the church is called to be a minister of the Holy Spirit today. I want to tell you something. That's important. The Holy Spirit gives life and cannot be replicated. You cannot replicate the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. You can imitate it, but you can't replicate it, my friend. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. And I pray that you and I are filled with God's Spirit when we react and overact and all everything else. I mean, it's one thing to act like a Christian. It's quite a different thing to react like a Christian. Lord, help me to react like a Christian. That's a tough one, isn't it? Let's go on to the scripture. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, hmm. then the ministry of the Spirit is it not more gracious or to be more gracious or glorious. For if the ministry of the commendation had glory, then the ministry of righteous, rightness with God, righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in the secret or this secret respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. What in the world is Paul saying? Unholiness cannot live in the holy presence of God. Unholiness cannot live in the holy presence of God. The Spirit of God gives us strength to be able to become holy in Christ Jesus. Unholiness cannot live in the presence of God's holiness. So, what that means is very simple. As the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, we've given our life to the Lord, we know that unholiness cannot exist where there is holiness, because there's only one Lord. Holiness comes in and takes the throne. Jesus is made Lord. Unholiness has to dwindle out. And that's called the sanctification process. That's exactly what happens. When you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, the unholiness and the drawbacks and the failures leave. It's really important. I just feel in my heart right now, somebody needs to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. He's ready and he's waiting for you. Pray with me and say this, Jesus, I believe you're the Christ. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again miraculously. And because death couldn't keep you. And I believe you paid the cost of sin. So forgive me of all of the sin that I have and help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to become better. Help me to become more like you. Be the Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together everywhere, amen and amen. 
Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today we read 2 Corinthians chapters 1 to 3. And my specific focus today is on chapter 3, where Paul compares and contrasts God's old covenant with his new one in Jesus Christ. And so my segment today is just going to highlight some of these differences. So let's go. In the third chapter of Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, he makes several important contrasts between God's old covenant given through Moses and his new and superior covenant in Jesus Christ. He begins by noting that while the old covenant was physically engraved on tablets of stone by God, the new covenant is spiritually engraved on tablets of human hearts by God's Holy Spirit. Paul probably has in mind here the prophecy of Jeremiah 31, which promises a new covenant where the will of God will be written on people's hearts. Paul understands the church as the fulfillment of this prophetic vision. Paul also notes that while the old covenant brought condemnation and death, the new covenant brings righteousness and gives life, because, as Dr. Charles Stanley puts it, the law revealed God's righteous requirements to us, standards we could never hope to meet on our own. The Spirit, on the other hand, gives us life because He draws us to faith in Christ's provision on the cross. A third contrast Paul makes is that while the Old Covenant certainly came with glory, the New Covenant came with greater glory, surpassing glory even. Although the Old Covenant came with such glory that the Israelites could not even look upon the radiance of Moses' face, by comparison, the New Covenant came with even more glory. These lesser and greater glories can be likened to the lesser and greater lights. The moon is radiant, but if the sun is up, the moon no longer seems bright. Another thing Paul notes is that while the old covenant was temporal and passes away, the new covenant lasts. Even though the face of Moses shone radiantly with the glory of the Lord as a result of being in his presence, this glory eventually faded. However, the glory of the New Covenant doesn't fade away, but rather increases until the believer gains through resurrection a glorious body like Christ. According to Paul, this fading glory of the Old Covenant is actually the main reason why Moses veiled his face from the people, that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Sadly, this veil, which symbolizes a spiritual dulling or blindness and even unbelief, still remains on Israel to this day because they have rejected the one who took the veil away. As Paul says, this same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away only in Christ. As a matter of fact, Moses did not have the confidence or boldness of Paul because the Old Covenant was veiled. It was shadowy. It was made up of types, pictures, symbols, and mystery. Moses communicated the glory of the Old Covenant with a certain obscurity. In contrast, believers under the New Covenant can be bold and confident because the obscure types and shadows have been gloriously revealed in the substance and person of Jesus Christ. In this spirit of boldness, John MacArthur actually goes so far as to say that without Christ, the Old Testament is unintelligible. 
But when a person comes to Christ, the veil is lifted and his spiritual perception is no longer impaired. With the veil removed, believers are able to see the glory of God revealed in Christ. They understand that the law was never given to save them, but to lead them to the one who would. So to review, Paul notes that first of all, the old covenant is physically engraved, but the new covenant is spiritually engraved. Second, the old covenant brought condemnation and death, but the new covenant brought righteousness and eternal life. Third, the old covenant came with great glory, but the new covenant came with an even greater glory. Fourth, the old covenant was meant to be temporary, but the new covenant is eternal. Fifth, the old covenant was veiled in shadows, symbols, and types, but the new covenant unveiled those types and shadows in the substance and person of Jesus Christ. And in speaking of this unveiling, I love how Dr. Charles Stanley describes what Jesus accomplished. He says, on the day of atonement, the high priest would enter in behind the veil of the Holy of Holies and stand before God. No one else was permitted to enter. Bells lined the hem of his garment and a rope was tied around his ankle. So if he were to die in the Lord's divine presence, the other priests could remove him from the Holy of Holies without actually going in themselves. During the crucifixion, however, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, showing that Jesus' death on the cross removed the separation between God and man. Today, when we turn to him in faith, God welcomes us into his presence, and there is no need to fear. Hallelujah. Yeah, that, that is really good. You mentioned Charles Stanley, who's a great man. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also Chuck Swindoll is a great man, too. I listen to him a lot. He is just really... I'll tell you, he was on something the other day and he continues. And I think the, the emphasis is that there is a new drive to present Jesus Christ. And as we continue to expand in this program and all of that, that's what we say. And I think you see it here every day. We are presenting Jesus Christ, the eternal new covenant that becomes important for everybody. And so uh, that's just something that we're going, we continue to do. And we will, because as we study the Bible, that's the only reason that, or the only one theme through the Bible that seems to be consistent to us coming out. Corey? All right. So context is a really important thing. And we know this in our day-to-day -day lives. If you're listening to someone, uh, your friend having a conversation, you kind of gap out for a few seconds and then you tune back in and something they say, you're like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. Or you think they're saying one thing, but actually if you had listened to their entire conversation, they're actually saying something entirely different. We know as human beings that context is important and it is the exact same when we come to the scripture. We have to keep it all in mind as we're reading through it. Uh, specifically here, a lot of people have issues uh, with understanding the Apostle Paul because he doesn't always you know, explain himself very well. He'll make statements that are easy to take out of context. Uh, Ryan's talked about on earlier programs this week about you know contradictions that people just quickly reading Paul may look at and go, oh, but he says one thing here, but he seems to say the exact opposite thing here. What is going on? And the only way that you'll know to resolve those conflicts within the text is by reading the entire text and really trying to understand it. Uh, so we are going to do our best today to look at 2 Corinthians as a whole and look at some of the reasons why the Apostle Paul wrote it, its structure, and some of its history. Take a look. 
Corinth was one of the wealthiest cities in the Roman Empire and carried a notorious reputation of corrupt morality and hedonistic lifestyles. It's no surprise then that after the Apostle Paul's foundational visit to Corinth, that the Bible contains two of his letters to Corinth and mentions two more. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9, we have reference to a letter that Paul had already written to the Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, we see reference to another letter that Paul wrote in between 1 and 2 Corinthians. Clearly, Paul was having to deal with many issues as the converted Corinthian Christians learned to live out their faith in their corrupt culture. 2 Corinthians also indicates that Paul made three visits to Corinth. The book of Acts records Paul's two main trips. First, his foundational year-and-a-half-long visit preaching the gospel and helping the new converts establish a body of believers. And his final visit after the book of 2 Corinthians. The second visit, then, alluded to in 2 Corinthians, would have fit in between the visits of Acts and is described as painful and changing Paul's plans to visit once more. We don't know very much about Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, except that it dealt with sexual sin and proper conduct for Christians. The book of 1 Corinthians deals with many lifestyle issues as well. Paul deals with divisions in the church, prideful leaders. He deals with sexual sin and lawsuits that had crept into the church. And he also responds to a letter that the Corinthians had written to him. His third letter is also not included in the New Testament. We can deduce from 2 Corinthians that it was extremely unpleasant and dealt with disciplining someone who had directly opposed Paul. 2 Corinthians then picks this issue back up and urges the church to accept and forgive the man as he has properly responded to discipline. The rest of 2 Corinthians seems to be a defense of Paul's ministry and a condemnation of false teachers. All in all, the picture that develops is one of a Christian group struggling to follow Christ, pushing towards the goal of not following their old culture, but following God's. So there we go, a little bit of context going into the book of 2 Corinthians. I hope that it prepares you and sets you up well to receive a lot of the information, especially over the, re over the weekend as you continue to read this book. You know, you talk about Paul's learning curve and uh, or his way of teaching yes. from how he learned. Yeah. And, uh, and it is fascinating. It Paul is. was the chosen man that God chose for mm -hmm. the Gentiles. And yet he's a Jewish man raised as a Pharisee. Can you believe that? Yeah. Very interesting. It would have been a huge life overhaul for him to say, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Okay. Now, so, what do you got this weekend? Okay. Next week, exactly a week from today on Friday, November the 26th from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, we will be here live. We're hosting a free live event for you. Please join us if you can. Uh, we're calling it Prayer, Worship, and Warfare. We're going to be exploring prayer in the Bible, prayer in the modern church, prayer in our lives. Um, and uh, if you would like to join us, please go to Bible Discovery TV YouTube channel or our Facebook page. Uh, and if you're a part of Church 365, don't worry, we'll be sending you a link. But please join us next Friday for a free live event from 7 till 9 p.m. Yeah, we're doing that for Church 365, and uh, it's free to everybody else. It is, and we're going to be taking questions. Yeah. So from, that's something you didn't miss. We'll really be taking good, questions so. from you from the chats. Yeah, and what exactly. about tomorrow? 
Yeah. Tomorrow, yes. Okay, so every Saturday morning, I release a chapter-by-chapter -chapter recap video on my YouTube channel, which is my name, Corey Babechko. So our entire assigned reading, if you've fallen behind, I do this recap video with the goal of getting you caught back up in half an hour or less so that you can stay on top of your Bible reading. That's very good. I'm very excited about that. Remember, our phone apps are there and uh, all of that stuff. But her recap is on Corey Babechko on YouTube. That's yes, very, very good. Is. Excellent. Okay. What about this question? Now? The fun Friday wrap up. Do you think it's fun at home? I do have a few people that write in and say, I even have um, Bob and Cindy who will text me often Seriously? and say, I got the answer right. We got it right today. So Bob we and have, Cindy are great. They are the great. Bob, you're great. They Cindy, you're are. awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's they good. Are. Anyway. All right. Fun Friday wrap up. Here it is. I could ask a question anywhere from Romans chapter 15 all the way through to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 because that's what we've read from last Friday. So here it goes. It's a little bit of a long question. Okay. So don't gap out like you were saying right. sometimes happens in, keep that context. in. Yes. So let's keep this in context. <laughs> Paul speaks to the Corinthian believers about the role of God's servants. He talks about watering, working, and mentions that some plant, some water, but it's always God who gives the growth or that gives the increase. As an example, Paul refers to himself when he says, I planted. Now, who does he mention that watered? Did That's a good Peter one. water? Did Barnabas water? Or did he refer to Apollos watering? I know Paul the answer, says, but... I planted, but who watered? Peter, Barnabas, or Apollos? These two guys, you're making faces like you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. We, we're pretty confident this that is we a, know. This is a closed book test for us. Okay, so we <laughs> have is, to I, That's right. Discuss. Now, you at home, you can be flipping around trying to find it. I'll give you a hint. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you don't know the answer, you can go there very quickly before these two answer. So what do you think? What's the answer? That the answer is, is it Peter? Is it Barnabas? Or is it Apollos? The answer is Apollos. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> if that's what you said at home, you are absolutely right. And I'm just turning to because I still have 19 seconds left. So 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, this is verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 3.30 to 4.30 afternoon, that's in the time of New York or the Eastern Standard Time, we have a prayer meeting and I'd like to pray for you. So join us, we're live on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery and be a part of the prayer meeting. Today, we need to close in this prayer. Pray these words and think about it. Lord, 
I want to thank you for taking my case before the Father. <laughs> In Jesus' name.